Hey folks, this is Christopher just jumping in before the episode starts. I wanted to bring this up. I was recently sent a uh, correspondence through our contact information on the website over at timeshifterspodcast.com and it's something that uh, I wanted to get out there and I didn't want to wait for the next episode to record it on. This was sent to me by Matthew Kowalski and he, uh, he sent this message and he says that we hope we're all doing well. And he wanted to spread the word that on April 9th through 10th, Mahoning Drive-In Theater out in Layton, Pennsylvania, will be running screenings of both the original The Blob from 1958 and the really underrated 1988 remake in association with the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville. The Colonial, of course, is the actual theater that was used in the original film and in pre-pandemic times used to host the annual Blob Fest every May. Tickets are relatively affordable, and because this is a drive-in outfit, they can ensure that social distancing protocols are being met. More importantly, proceeds from the screenings will go to the Colonial Theater's ongoing fundraising efforts to ensure their ability to survive what are FUBAR times for small independent film houses. And he has a link here that I will add in the show notes, so any B-movie or cult movie fans in the area might want to check this out. That is Absolutely sounds like an absolute blast. I would love to go and see this at the drive-in. That is very cool. And I love that the proceeds are going to go to such a great cause. So, Matthew, thank you very much for saying that to me. So, any of our uh, listeners in the Pennsylvania Ave area, go please check this out. Have a fun time and uh, support your local movie drive-in and local movie theaters. All right, that's it. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters Podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, welcome back to Time Shifters. This is going to be a hot episode. I mean, like sizzle. This is Christopher, and with me over there, shining his love, is Tom. And I've told you a million times, I wish you wouldn't do that while on camera. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a good thing that this is not a video podcast. <laughs> you you got to just enjoy the jump and jiggle and fun. How you been, Tom? I'm hanging in there. It's been a rough and weird week. <laughs> yeah, well, can only get better. <laughs> hey, uh, as uh, as we were discussing, uh, I'm at least a one shot in the arm toward uh, so-called freedom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when us general people, our regular normal people can uh, get in line. 
It's coming. Actually, I've been very impressed with how much it's starting to actually loosen up and get going. Yeah, um, it, it's still clunky as hell, but uh, I was going to say physically, I, I mean, if you look out, it doesn't seem that way. But there's like a general feeling that maybe it's just because the vaccine is out there that there's like hope on the horizon. Just a general feeling amongst you, you just kind of get a vibe in the air that like, ah, oh, this is all going to end soon. <laughs> well, I know uh, I and friends in the uh, in the Maryland area that I happen to hit tick various boxes that allow us to get into line right now ahead of uh, uh, you know, like you normies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here, uh, yeah, like it's already set the sense that we're already planning after we've got our second shots that we can actually physically get together in a space mm-hmm. inside and, uh, and right. hang out sans mask. So we're, we're kind of excited for that. So, yeah, I think maybe it's just here in, uh, in Ohio and particularly in the County that I'm in, we were at the, like the highest color or, you know, that we have like a color rating system as far as the COVID cases and everything. And we were like at the highest, like if it got any higher, I think they were going to like, put the national guard around the the county and not let anyone out or anything. Um, and now it's actually gone back down a step and that, that just alone just like, ah, so we're getting better. (laughs) You're, you're no longer in Wuhan, Ohio. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we did find out just recently that the uh, June monster bash, which everyone knows I always look forward to going to has been officially canceled again this year. So it was unfortunate. It was um, probably, I think everyone kind of expected it, but everyone was still in, in just had their fingers crossed that maybe it would happen. But yeah, it's unfortunately they, uh, Pennsylvania said that they were, or the hotel, I should say, was still expecting that it would only be allowed 20% capacity even in June. So I was like, well, that can't happen. All right, so... So maybe in the fall, I don't know if all my uh, bash friends will want to go to the fall monster bash if there is one. But maybe maybe that might be a thing. If not, it'll just have to wait till next June and 2022 is going to be one hell of a bash. <laughs> Everyone's going to be really glad to get back together. Well, as we were even discussing, uh, the first time anyone starts actually having open events because uh, the world is at least at some level of... Uh, immunized that we can that uh, the crowds are going to be so bad (laughs) uh uh, literally a flea circus may draw draw hundreds of thousands of people yeah i want to get back to the zoo and the museums and stuff like that and i'm thinking god i'm gonna get there and i'm gonna be just like ah people (laughs) yeah this uh, yeah yeah once the world feels like it can burst open that's the second we are all going to rush out there and go god i wish we'd all just go home (laughs) (laughs) there's too many people i don't like this well even let's leave covid behind for a little while i do have a couple little news stories that i saw that has come up in recent days there is going to be a clue the animated series and and when you brought this up it, it blew me away i can't even conceive what an animated clue series like the the movie was brilliant, but how do you do it as a series? <laughs> yeah, I I 
I don't know. You know, and this is apparently going back. It's not like going to be based on the movie. It's going to be based on the actual board game. Right. Uh, there's no details as to what exactly this thing is going to look like. Uh, it's being uh, co-produced by Fox Entertainment, uh, E1, and Bento Box Entertainment. And the latter is actually going to serve as the animation studio. Michael Thorne, president of, Inter- uh, president of entertainment of uh, Fox Entertainment, says that, uh, quote, Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with the lead pipe. By just hearing those colorful phrases alone, you immediately know what they mean, leaving no mystery as to what as to why Clue is one of the most beloved board games turned IP of all time. We couldn't be more excited to develop it as an animated series along with E1 and Bento Box. But yes, unfortunately, there's no news as to this, any kind of the story, how they were going to do it from, you know, is it going to be a weekly thing? Um, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't... I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear more because, uh, uh, I mean, yes, it, it is a world-renowned game. Even if you don't love Clue, you might at least enjoy a game or two once in a while. I wonder if it could be like something where like every episode is going to be a mystery and a possible solution, and every, you know, there's always everyone's going to be everyone gets their turn as being the guilty party and it just sort of, they just write in somehow how it all resets right. <laughs> you know, from yeah, show no, to show. I, and I, I was kind of envisioning that myself as uh, what if each episode is a complete reset uh, of that? I'm thinking of South Park's Kenny, you know, <laughs> oh, I could see versions of this where, okay, okay. You have all the main characters in one say, setting, call it, 1920s New York and then all of a sudden you change it uh, next week especially being an animated series so you can do whatever you want the next time uh, it's Game of Thrones themed and and we're in a castle somewhere in one of the territories and you just play it that, that way I mean there's a thousand ways you could do this yeah no idea so that's that's fun. Uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing more about that. Apparently, this is the second TV series project based on a classic Hasbro board game that's uh, has been announced since Hasbro acquired the E1 last year. The company ha- also has in the works Risk, a series adaptation of the strategy game led by House of Cards creator Bo Will- uh, Willimon. Hmm. So that actually sounds like that might actually be like a live action yeah, I could see you just turning Risk into a um, dramatic world war kind of thing and mm-hmm. just have it titled Risk. Another news story I have now, we're both Peter Dinkley's fans. Uh, you so even more, perhaps. Big fan. So this this popped up, and I so I knew I had to talk about it. Uh, Dinklage and the Bear. <laughs> Peter Dinklage is to vo- is going to voice a talking bear in an animated film called This Was Our Pact, produced by uh, he and David Ginsburg's production company, Estuary Films. Dinklage is set to voice one of the lead characters, a mysterious and charismatic bear, in this upcoming animated feature that is based on a best-selling graphic novel. I got a description of what the, uh, the graphic novel and the story here, if you want to hear it. Absolutely. It is described as a magical family adventure. 
This was our pack, centers on a young boy named Ben and his classmates. It is set on the night of the annual Autumn Equinox Festival, when the town gathers to float paper lanterns down the river. The youngsters have made a pact to find out if the legend about the lanterns soaring off to the Milky Way and turning into stars is true. Ultimately, they find themselves on an extraordinary journey filled with wondrous new sights and strange characters, including Dinklage's talking bear, with only two rules. No one looks back and no one turns for home. It could be potentially a lot of fun. I I, I could see a lot of uh, promise in that. It looks a little bit like, um, almost like Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe kind of... uh, theme all you have to do is listen to peter dinklage's voice and the 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 notion of him voicing a bear just seems natural (laughs) (laughs) i'll be curious to see if it's a uh, character that's in through i mean it doesn't sound like it's really going to be one of the starring characters or anything sounds like the uh the friends the 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 human friends as they go is going to be like the the stars of the film but maybe he's like their their guide is once they get to some you know, wondrous land at the end of the river or something like that. How, however, however he's a part of it, I'll, I'll I'm in for the ride because <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've watched Adam Sandler movies because of Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention today is um, I'm increasing our social media uh, footprint a little bit. I am taking, Do tell. Uh, I am, you know, we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter, um, sort of on Instagram, though I never remember to, <laughs> or hardly ever remember to post anything post. on it. Um, I, I started a Discord channel, uh, but there's nothing going on there because there's nobody there. But what I think is going to work a little bit more is I've actually moving us a little bit to, of all things, TikTok. I followed another podcast to this platform. I thought this platform was just for lots of teenagers doing stupid dances or something. That's all I knew TikTok was about. Apparently, there's actually like grown-up TikTok. <laughs> I've I've made my way there and I am now following some really interesting people and some very funny people and it's like this is an easily could become just like a new obsession, just following and watching these people's videos. But I'm hoping <laughs> I've, I've made like all of three videos now, but I'm going to do some abridged uh, movie reviews based on, you know, each of uh, our, our, our episodes and, and hopes of maybe uh, getting people interested. If they like what they hear me say there, maybe they'll come and listen to the show. You have me intrigued. Uh, I've been come increasingly fascinated with TikTok. I haven't gone and bitten off and uh, created my own profile yet. But if uh, we're going to get this started, uh, I may jump out there and uh, join you in some of the fun. Because uh, to your point, I have actually recently learned that there there is actually serious and decent content to be pursued out there, as well as the fun stuff. And yes, the dancing girls. Yes. So... So everyone, I want to encourage you to watch Chris dance <laughs> <laughs> on TikTok for, for Time Shifters Podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no guarantee that you're going to find that on the profile. <laughs> but if you do want to come over and follow me, I am currently at TSPOE underscore podcasts. 
and I'll I'll put a link in the show notes and in and then you can, uh, and I'll go ahead and put a link to the Discord as well. If we get some more people over there, we can start having some conversations. It might be a good place for people to, you know, some people don't really care for the uh, hellscape that is Twitter, and uh, people don't care for uh, Facebook much anymore either. There's a lot, you know, a lot of people are walking away from that platform as well. So maybe, uh, maybe they'll feel more comfortable on Discord. And if we get a hundred thousand uh, uh, followers on TikTok, uh, he will dance for you. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, come on. (laughs) What more reason do you need? (laughs) Yeah, pick whatever uh, trending meme, TikTok meme you want. I'll I'll recreate it for you at 100,000 followers. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it as far as the news that are all the front end of the show here. Let's go ahead and take a break, uh, listen to a promo for another podcast. Maybe I'll go ahead and play the promo for the one that dragged me into this mess. (laughs) 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 And then uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about a 1979 film that was it's part of our MST3K Unrift series, Angel's Revenge. Kayla, the host of Strikes My Fancy podcast. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Maybe you're struggling with your mental health and you need some guidance. Or perhaps you just enjoy listening to people chat about things they love. Strikes My Fancy has all of that and more. With rotating series and new and exciting guests in each episode, I keep it fresh, entertaining, and educational. Come explore with me and discover what it is that strikes your fancy. You can find my show on strikesmyfancy.podme.com or Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I look forward to you being a part of my journey. Thumbs up, we attack. Down, we get out of here. I had to come back and tell you, you were great. Pardon me. If it keep one kid from getting hooked, I'll climb up to the top of the city hall and dump that bomb down. Now let's get a real actor in here, please. Come on, Rick, hurry up with the actor, would you? Come on, could we get an actor? You girls are as pretty as a creek full of catfish. (laughs) (laughs) You see that bazooka? I like this. I can climb through a window or something. (laughs) Hi, Stick. Hey, what you got in there? Fishing can't be that much fun now, can it? I don't know. Let's go. This were great. Hey, where's April? Damn it. I learned a long time ago to eliminate any possible. Am I one of the seven now? 
Yes, little Trish, you're one of us. Okay, we're back. Angel's Revenge, a.k.a. Angel's Brigade, a.k.a. Seven from Heaven. This was a MST3K subject in 1995's 22nd episode of the sixth season, which uh, starred Mike Nelson, Trace Bellew as Dr. Forrester, and Crow, Kevin Murphy as Time Servo, and Frank Conniff as TV's Frank. It was directed by Graydon Clark, who also cameos in the movie as the movie director in the one scene had an estimated $300,000 budget, according to IMDb, which is just about over a million dollars in today's money, which is absolutely nothing. It's almost independent movie money. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, the one thing uh, I I know we're just, you haven't even gotten to synopsis yet, but the the one thing I have to lead off with is the, the opening credits, this is a this is a girl driven adventure and all the men are named first in the credits. (laughs) Yep. I did notice that. Yes. That's really, it's pretty crazy that all the men, despite how small their roles are, get starring credits and then you get also appearing (laughs) and that's where they list all the women, all the main characters. Yeah. Well, speaking of synopsis, I do have a brief one here. Middle school teacher April decides to wage her own war on drugs and recruits pop star Michelle Wilson to help. Michelle was all too eager to assist as her young brother was recently discovered to be a user himself when he's beat up by a drug dealer named Styx. Michelle leads her to another woman to recruit to the cause and that woman to another and so on until they create a drug-busting team of six beautiful women. Seven, if you count young Trish, a student of April's who discovers the lady's plans. They lead a strike against a drug cartel led by a man named Burke, played drunkenly by Peter Lawford, who sticks, who sticks his right-hand man, Farrell, played by a very Jack Palance Jack Palance, after <laughs> them. The seven crime fighters do all they can to prove that women can make a difference. Recognizable celebrities appearing in this film... Alan Hale Jr. and Jim Backus from Gilligan's Island fame. Pat Buttram, probably best known as Mr. Haney from Green Acres. And Arthur Godfrey appears as well. Of the women, the only one that had any real recognizability maybe was Susan Keeger, who appeared as a Playboy Playmate of the Month in 1977. Also mentioned as well as the Mystery Science Theater version from 95. In 2017, uh, former MST3K writers and cast members Bridget Nelson and Mary Jo Peel riffed the uncut movie as a video on demand for riff tracks, which I did watch in preparation for this one as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, uh, when I was busy trying to search the film to watch, on YouTube, that's the only one that comes up if you're looking for the film. I mean, you can find Mystery Science Theater, but anytime I looked for Angel's Revenge or Angel's Brigade on YouTube, it was always the Rift Tracks version. Oh, interesting. I'm surprised that one's on the YouTube. Was it yeah, on, or yeah. was it on the the Rift Trips Rift Tracks channel? Uh, I don't know if uh, the YouTube if YouTube was taking me to the Rift Tracks channel mm. and I didn't pay any attention to it, but uh, yeah, no, I, did. I was amazed at how many times that came up. Yeah, I found it on uh, both of them. The MST and the uh, Rift Tracks is available for free on Tubi. 
So you got to sit through a few ads, but it is it is there. Yeah, I found it on something called Zumo. Okay. But yeah, same same deal like Tubi. Yeah, you got to watch it with the ads. Yeah. What a film. Yeah, yeah. Now this was uh, your pick. You were thinking you actually in the last episode you thought you had the impression that this was like a made-for-TV movie as well as an MST3K. Right. And whereas it was not a made-for-TV movie, but with this cast, especially with like Alan Hale, Jim Packett, you could I could definitely see where you could get the impression that it was. Because you got a lot of TV stars making these appearances. It really feels like TV movie fodder. Well, it does. I mean, it feels like a, a, a kind of... A a faux Charlie's Angels uh, thing, right down to the angels in the name. Yeah. Um, it the, the look is about the same. The goofy music is about the same. And then, yeah, you throw in all the uh, TV actors, and I, I I fall upon my sword. Yes, I was completely wrong, that, but I can't even imagine this thing in theaters. <laughs> Well, and when you also realize how uh, how much of a jiggle fest it is, yeah, I guess '70s TV was maybe a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> maybe you could get by with some of this, but not really the kind of stuff you would typically find on television. I suppose not, but I mean, it didn't. It, at no point did you actually introduce nudity to the thing. And this one could have used it, though. <laughs> I hate to say it. <laughs> It could have only served to enhance. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to cut to the chase early in our conversation, and when we are doing these as unrift, the the idea of whether or not uh, <laughs> you uh, need the riffs. Uh, do you need the rift to make it use uh, watchable? And the answer emphatically is yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, this one I couldn't even really watch this one and think, oh, this is just a just a fun mindless entertainment or anything i i couldn't I, you just can't i found myself sitting watching it and just you kind of just end up making your own roofs riffs or you play the riffs you know in your head because that's the only way you really are making it through <laughs> sadly i mean we we could get into all sorts of the it is a it is a fun film that begs to be picked apart. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, and you really, got, and I hate to think how much effort I've put into thinking about it, uh, three quarters of this film is a flashback. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> From the moment you see the movie, you have to... You're, you flash back, and, and we're, by the time you get back to where you started... We're already into the climax of the film. <laughs> it's a bizarre, it's a very Tarantino way of telling a movie, of telling a story. <laughs> now we know where he gets it from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is probably the one movie that he doesn't mention was a uh, inspiration. <laughs> no, uh, the thing I found fascinating watching this unrift and watching a a clean cut of this thing is the parts that um mystery science theater chose to remove Mm -hmm. from from the movie to its credit um they if anything mystery science theater probably made it more watchable um 
one of the things that that that, that I'm thinking of immediately is there's this whole um, subplot thing with um, the cop on the team, uh, El- Elaine Brenner is uh is one of the seven that that is and she's the only one with any law enforcement experience for what they're about to be doing right and in the mystery science theater um version they completely cut out anything to do with elaine's boss right yeah they it turns out she's like working sort of undercover to try to break up this drug ring or whatever and ends up finding her way into this group thanks to uh, one of the other women, uh, Maria, I think, brings her in because she was like her parole officer or something like that. And as it turns out, though, yeah, she's part of this special task force, this drug, you know, anti-drug task force, which, again, makes it feel very TV movie-like because you feel right. like they're setting this up for a pilot. No, and that's why that's why I was immediately confused uh, until you corrected me that uh, that this was actually brought to the theater. So I'm like, everything about this feels like a TV fodder. Yeah, they completely excised her uh, the special task force thing where she was answering to this uh, Miller, played by uh, Neville Brand, and they ex- they they cut out the uh, training montage. Yes, uh, the very A-team feeling training montage. A little bit, maybe. Um, yeah, because uh, the training, I remember they, they infused during the training montage um, scenes with um, the one character making the uh, alterations to the van. Yes, yeah. Terry working on the van, uh, April showing up with their uh, spangly jumpsuits. Why do they Why do they need evil Knievel cosplay? Uh, to do their job well and, and and i knew that the the seven of them standing in their suits at the end was just like a splash screen thing and i could picture it as a poster but when during the training sequence when they got into their uniforms and they're all standing on the mat in a line i'm like who are you doing that for <laughs> that's for their their group photo <laughs> Because an undercover group of women about to break up a drug ring should have a group photo. <laughs> it's for the yearbook. <laughs> um, one of the other things uh, that uh, Mystery Science Theater cut out to its credit, one of the things that was both, I don't know, fun and weird and what made it seem... Like, you never knew whether or not this was supposed to be, like, serious uh, or a comedy. Because anytime they did anything remotely violent, they would play the silliest boing? sound effects. <laughs> yeah, you'd get boing or twee. And, and half the time when they're firing a gun, it sounds like a, a cheesy uh, 70s laser pistol. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was a turd gun. <laughs> There is the turret gun. Um, but no, the one one scene where any of the violence couldn't possibly have been led up as being anything but what it was is there's in the early part of the thing where um, our, our hero, Michelle Wilson, um, is going to go that they the layout's not quite as they planned for. So they have to improvise a little bit and there's a tower 
with a guard in the tower and Michelle Williams goes up into the tower. Uh, and of course there's a, 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 a mandatory ass shot as she's climbing, the, <laughs> uh, as she's climbing the ladder. But when she gets up there, she has to do hand to hand combat with the guard that's up there. And you see her pull a knife and then you see the two of them stop and the other women think she's dead. Right. Um, and so they choose to carry on with the mission. But the only way that ended is actually she killed him very right. gruesomely with a knife. Right. And it, Mystery Science Theater chose to throw that part out. Oh, I don't think they did. I don't remember her going up into the tower. Yeah. Sure, no, I no, absolutely. The fight up there. No, I remember there because they make a point of the, uh, you know, the little do, 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 you know, as, a, as she climbs the ladder and everything. No, that's still in the MST version. Is it? Yeah. Man, I'm going to have to revisit that again. Mm. I could have swore they cut that out because that's the only, uh, yeah, it, it's clear uh, with um, Keiko and her sword that she is clearly uh, uh, slicing people up. Um, but it's kind of funny. If it's with an edge weapon, somebody probably died. If it's with a gun, they got an owie. <laughs> yeah, you almost... Yeah, it's true. With all the gunplay, you only see two, I think, people actually take a hit. Well, and even when they take a hit, they're okay. <laughs> well, that's what's actually kind of funny. Young Trish takes a shot to the arm. You know, she'll right. be fine. Peter Lawford gets a shot to the arm, and he dies in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he he's the only one that you could confirm actually died, but but yeah, no, there, there there's a there's a guy that takes a shot at, from standing above the uh, pool, and he takes a header into the pool, and then the next thing you know is he's swimming out of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, well, you hit him, but you're a terrible shot. Yeah, again, where you, you talked about a team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was also picturing GI Joe. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Absolutely. All the gunfire. Nobody ever gets hit. Especially with the uniforms. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes. No. That was very GI Joe. I mean, uh, the 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 white spandex jumpsuit that as they're <laughs> as they're crouching down in the grass. Nobody can see us. Nope. No. And, and, and it's like and you the van. Say, it. Yeah, and the van. The the A team van. <laughs> but. Uh, it's like you say, though, uh, um, while you're watching it, you can't help but uh, start riffing yourself or pulling out uh, the Mystery Science Theater riffs. Because I, like, I distinctly remember going into my head the, the, that moment where uh, I think Tom picks up, sure, if you just bend down a little bit, they can't see you. Right. There are riffs on this one that this is one of those episodes where the riffs live in my head rent free or some of the riffs anyway, that even you, you go out into the real world and the situation presents itself and you those one of those riffs just pops into your head. The there's the scene as the girls are trying to you know, they're sneaking across the, the dry uh, creek bed to sneak into the compound and a couple guys ride by on horses. And, and I think it's a crow down there who says, those are big dogs.
and I can't help but you know you drive drive by you know some farm somewhere and they got horses out in the field. <laughs> I can't help but think those are big dogs. <laughs> yeah, that that is definitely one of the ones that stuck with me. <laughs> that and uh, Tom Servo's comment on some of the music. Vaguely Strauss, but not. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the one that still latches on for me, it, and I couldn't help but do it myself. Like I was singing it out loud during the the viewing of this. It is toward the end when Trish she's she's ridden on the back of the car and now she's got to go report back that April has been taken by them and, and they start playing the little the the little mu- music during that and they're like I'm running 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 <laughs> running 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 <laughs> and I'm still running I'm running I'm really really running <laughs> uh, you should definitely check out the uh, riff tracks with uh, Bridget and uh, Mary Jo because the they make they make sure to to point out you know you get some of these women running you know brawless and they're running up the hill and, you, and they're just going ow 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 <laughs> uh, yeah on occasion you definitely need the female perspective <laughs> it's one of those perfect films I, they seem to tag those two to do these films that are real uh, female centric and mm-hmm. God love them for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go back. And, I, I I purposely had to get away from the the riff tracks so that I could just watch the film cold. But mm-hmm. uh, now I feel compelled to go back and watch their version. Yeah, this is not the first time I watched this one unriffed. I dug really? it up. Yeah, I I don't know. I think it was just um, I stumbled on it somewhere. I think it used to be Prime or something like that. And uh, it, it came up in a, you know, kind of like, you may like this. And I went, holy crap, are you kidding me? Really? And so I, I watched it. This was like two, three years ago, maybe. Yeah. And I was really surprised to find, you know, like the montage and all, all the bits and the, the Miller cop thing all in there. Because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it because, like I said, like we were talking, I'd only known this through Mystery Science Theater. I doubt anyone else would have ever known this if not for Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> right. Yeah, the appearances of some of our favorite actors, too, are just so sad. Like, uh, yeah. Jim Backus's character is cringeworthy as he's in there. Yeah, and I'm sure he thought... I'm sure he had fun. Apparently, all these guys, they, they all appeared and they did their parts in, like, a day. And a, apparently, like a third of the budget went to hiring them. Right. <laughs> All these little uh, cameo bits, little small parts. Um, and I'm sure Jim Backus was just there having fun. I mean, he's a comedic he's a comedic actor, so he was doing a comedic role, and I'm sure he was having a blast. But yeah, you just it gives you that feeling of like, oh, Jim, did you not? Do your finances well? Do you need to do this? Are you okay? Do you want a sandwich? <laughs> do you need a place to stay? <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, just thinking back on all the episodes of Gilligan's Island, like the character that he played for this movie was so reminiscent of, uh, you know, how the characters on the show would occasionally be forced to be some other character for whoever the guest star was that 
that week, and I almost feel like I've seen him before doing <laughs> the, the, this commander kind of kind of thing, this over the top. Uh, and then I the, the fact that like I commented on that all the all the men are all hyped early on. They're the they're the leads in the movie according to the the credits, and Alan Hale Jr. is in the movie for like what five minutes tops? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, he's the uh, the manager for Michelle Wilson, and he successfully comes off creepy as that too. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> he's that manager that's a it's a little bit too much about well, we did it and like no she. Did it. <laughs> well, he's probably taken you know forty percent, <laughs> of course, <laughs> as is customary. Yeah. Uh, I can't help but still like to see him. I, I like Alan Hale. <laughs> you know yeah. he can he can show up and do whatever he wants. That's fine. I, he always makes me smile. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I don't even remember what I caught. I was flipping around somewhere and caught him playing like some sh- sheriff of uh, some podunk town, and he is literal. Uh, I, I, I like I said, I couldn't tell you what it was. Um, but he's just answering the phone in this little town, and he's basically the he's sheriff, but he's the yellow pages. All he's doing <laughs> as he's on the phone is telling people who else to call for why they've called him. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm laughing my ass Wasn't off. Wasn't he watching. Uh, the sheriff in the crawling hand? Ah, uh, he may have been. Was it the crawling hand, or was it one of those spider movies? I don't know. Sh- sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes to all. Yeah, why not? Yeah. If he wasn't, he should have been. And that's why I saw it. It was a Mystery Science Theater thing. Um, it was the giant spider invasion. Ah, there you go. Okay, so he was... He's the sheriff in the giant spider invasion. All right. I knew he was a sheriff in one of the other Mystery Science Theater's uh, subjects. Uh, Pat Buttram is another of the uh, cringy ones, where you just he shows up and you're just... Oof. If this were like, you know, what's really funny, they're showing up a little bit the same way all the little guests' uh, cameo appearances show up in something like the Muppet movie. Right. And in the Muppet movie, it's kind of like, oh, sweet, it's that guy. In this one, you're like, oh, why is he there? Why is he doing this? <laughs> well, the thing it is, is that even when doing it, he, he's doing the same thing that made him kind of popular popular in the first place yeah that's true so. he's yeah yeah he's pretty much the, the, he, he's playing you know uh what is what gene audrey's sidekick uh selling used cars <laughs> right exactly <laughs> there's a lot of movies like this that i will sure. go back and just i'll, I'll watch because it, i think it's fun this just isn't one of them i don't have a great deal of fun with this one unless i got someone doing the riffs and that's just what I was going to say. Um, and it's actually like I, I tried digging up uh, reviews for this. There are no reviews from 1979 that I can recover uh, in the time that I've spent trying to research it. Uh, and I did look for about a solid hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't uncover anything useful. But looking at some of the um, more recent online ones, people that revisit for the same reason we're revisiting they. They, they remember it from Mystery Science Theater and they chose to watch it, much like we're doing now. And what most have to say, the general consensus is, um, yes, Mystery Science Theater nailed it that this is the way to watch that film. But 
you can watch this film without Mystery Science Theater by doing it yourself. So yeah. this isn't the movie to sit by yourself and watch. You need a gang of friends to sit in here and just destroy it together. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it's fun for. Yeah, yeah, this is absolutely one that kind of needs that... Uh, it needs that group watch, maybe uh, maybe some beverages, some adult beverages. I drink every time you see cleavage. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Alcohol poisoning. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it, it, this movie was incredibly clear on what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was very much a uh, taking a step in the exploitation direction. Uh, it doesn't quite cross the line because uh, there is no nudity. There is... Lots of cleavage and lots of shapely forms, but... Yeah, it's rife with innuendo. Uh, I mean, this is not a... uh, Despite uh, trying to be a girl power style kind of movie, uh, it's incredibly derogatory. All the male characters are all very chauvinist in this. Yeah, that's true. But I I will say that it still avoids the... um, the cliche of having, you know, any of the men or any man come to the rescue. It does do that. Yes. The the women are empowered. They are the ones that drive the, the plot and they are the ones that, you know, find the solution to the, to the problem uh, without any male influence. So that in, in that way, it is kind of impressive. No, I, I, I will grant you that. Uh, as absurdly as they they make their way through the film, everything they do is uh, of their own accord, by their own will, and in support of one another. And yeah, there's not a guy. There's not a guy involved. And I guess you could give a little bit of credit for being as inclusive. I mean, we've got a kind of a multi-racial uh, uh, cast. You know, and and everyone is treated equally. And in, I mean, there is the one scene where uh, Terry, which is the the one African American member of the group, uh, has to be the chauffeur. But I mean, she actually steps up and volunteers for the position. Uh, it's to, to, so they can do undercover to try to you know scope out the uh, the the compound so they could steal the weapons or something like that. They do make the the Asian one, of course, has to be an expert in martial arts and and samurai swords yes they they make the uh, vietnamese woman the japanese <laughs> samurai girl <laughs> of course because you know close enough <laughs> uh no uh the, actually you make a fantastic point uh if we even go back to that that chauffeur sequence and this is where you do get some of the cringe because uh, of uh Granted, Jim Backus is supposed to be like a hardcore right wing um, commander of his little militia and all that. So he, he is playing it from the perspective of, yes, he's going to be chauvinistic. He's probably going to be racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yes, he's supposed to be doing that. But his behavior um, during the scene is uh, is intended to be kind of lecherous as he's uh, he's doing his thing. But the thing to focus on is the fact that the Terry character who is playing the uh, the chauffeur in this case is also kind of, as she is still taking on the role to which she's agreed to take. 
She isn't putting up with anybody's shit. Right. Um, so she does assert herself through that. And, uh, and of course, uh, because she is a woman of stature, uh, she asserts it well, uh, making, making the men in that particular case, uh, kind of stand back. We might not be for you, but we're not going to go up against you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Credit where credit is due. I mean, it does have a few good points unfortunately the story itself is just so steeped in things of it trying to be something else right that even though you can say oh but look at this multiracial cast look at a three-woman positive positive uh you know cast um but then a lot of that is undone by literally the credits of the movie <laughs> <laughs> The credits of the movie and the just the, the goofy nature by which the, it, it uh, whenever there's the action sequence, we go back to the sound effects. Right. Uh, so, yeah, um, yeah. You, you're, you're like, OK, uh, this is a female driven on a re, on a good mission. I mean, they're trying to rid uh, this at least little slice of the world of the drug trade that is going on that is impacting the youth in the community and all that. And, uh, th then we get the, the weird whistles and, and whoop and all those sounds while they're actually in battle. Well, <laughs> and if you just watch it too, they do occasionally do hand to hand combat and it looks so ineffective and childish. Um, there's a, oh. when Maria takes out the guards at the gate I mean, with, and she, with, the amount of effort she puts into her punch doesn't even look like it would blow over an, an empty styrofoam cup and it yeah. knock, it, it, it takes the guy out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it wouldn't have knocked down a house of cards. <laughs> yeah. It's so unbelievable. It's, it's hard to take it. I mean, I know it's not really meant to be taken seriously, um, it is done to be a bit of a comedy. It's not like a serious, gritty drama or anything like right. that. Um, but it's still, you need a little bit, <laughs> you know, just a little bit of realism, maybe. I could actually see this. I could see kind of a remake where you do a gritty action adventure. And you could probably come up with something pretty cool. Or maybe they have. Maybe this is like Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now it just begs to be watched side by side. <laughs> but no, you make a good point. I just I, I, I can't help but uh, one of the things that still throws me off during this whole thing, given everything that they're supposed to be there to do, and the the character April is on top of the building as they're about to blow the thing up, and all she has to do is jump on top of the van, and she's going, oh, 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 oh. okay, okay, I'm coming, oh, I'm put coming. put the gun away, oh, <laughs> yeah, like it might have worked out those nerves a little ahead of time. <laughs> the building's about to explode. <laughs> time to go. Right. To that, uh, you kind of wonder, what direction did they actually want this to go in? Because <laughs> sometimes the comedy wasn't in the right place. Yeah, unfortunately, the script was a, a flag in a, in a storm. You know, so it just kept whipping different directions. <laughs> <laughs> Still can't get over the fact that it's three quarters of a flashback. <laughs> keep coming back to that. 
not one I would recommend watching uh, without the riffs. And, and and you've got a couple. You got the Mystery Science Theater, and you got the riff tracks to watch it. And or like Tom was suggesting, when you can get your friends together <laughs> later this year, this fall, <laughs> that's the time to to grab this one. This wouldn't be bad for a Zoom party. Oh, well, there you go. You could do it that way. You could do this as a Zoom party. If you can all uh, watch it in, in sync and just tear into this and, and do so with love and care. I mean, these people did make this. It, 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 it was at least an attempt to put out their art such as it was. Yeah. Um, I think it was at one point even available on DVD. You're waiting for the Criterion cut, right? Yeah, it's exactly what I'm waiting for. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Criterion remastered Blu-ray on this one for sure. <laughs> With director commentary. I don't imagine, I don't think that it is, uh, is available anymore. I believe it is out of print. Apparently that was out on DVD and even had a commentary on it. Um, I will admit to being kind of uh, curious to get some behind the scenes. I'm wondering if Gradon Clark uh, did the commentary and uh, I think I read that he did. I would be kind of curious to get his behind-the-scenes uh, impression of the film. I have to wonder if a, 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 a depending on when he did the commentary, how much of that might be a riff track. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. From from the director himself. You know, look, it was '79. We were high. We did this. <laughs> <laughs> It was fun. We all made a buck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if they did. I don't know if they yeah. made a buck or not. <laughs> but they probably had fun. They might have had fun. Well, I think that's all we can say about Angel's Revenge, a.k.a. Angel's Brigade, a.k.a. Seven from Heaven. Do you have any idea what you'd like to do next time? Do you want to do another made-for-TV movie, or do you want to know that, do another MST3K Unrift? I have to admit, it's, this has been kind of fun. This is fun. Uh, why, why don't we go back to a made-for-TV? For, uh, we'll take uh, one break and then come back to Unrift. Yeah, so we will go back to the television. We'll go for a definitely made-for-TV movie. And uh, we'll, I, I like that idea. Just take a little break. And I, there's so many, you know, MST3K was on for 10 years. There's so many films to, to look at from so many eras. So I think this is going to be an ongoing and fun series to, uh, to do. Oh, yeah, there's lots lots to deal with here, and we're going to have a lot of fun getting to all of it. And I'm pretty sure at some point there is some made-for-TV movies that they rift. So we will be able to cross both uh, both series at some point. Just got to track it down, figure out which is which. Yeah, because uh, I, I obviously wandered headlong thinking this is exactly what we were going into tonight. Uh, I do believe we will pass on Overdrawn at the Memory Bank, however. As much as I love Raul Julia, <laughs> I don't think I could sit through that one <laughs> without any kind of riffing. No? I know I know that one was made for TV. Yes, no, uh, it, it was indeed. I don't know that, yeah, that, that, one's, that one's rough even as a mystery science theater. <laughs> right, yeah, that was in the latter days, and yeah, not as, not as good as uh, some of the others. Nope. All right. Well, then that'll do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check out the links in the show notes and uh, come and join us. And let's, 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 let's be social. Let's uh, remember 100,000 and he dances. <laughs>
we'll talk to everybody in a couple of weeks. Bye all. See you.